When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Steven Gagliano. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome on in. It is episode numero eight. The Ocho. Off Air. The Ocho. Coming to... A stream near you where we will play cornhole and cricket and water ski for 24 hours straight. Um, People would love to see us do that, I think. Oh, oh my God. I would bust my ass so hard. Seven ways till Sunday. Who am I? You might ask. Well, I'm Chris Thomas, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow 92.9 The Game producer, Stephen Gagliano. Follow me on social media at C Thomas Radio. Steve is at Peeve Gagliano. We are slowly but surely working on getting him a more uh, 92.9 centric uh, radio official Twitter handle, but one thing at a time. I know. I, I either need to add radio or ATL. That seems to be the go to around here. Yeah. Um, which is funny because where I come from in New York City, it's not like that. Um, so people rep, I could argue that people rep the ATL harder than they rep New York City, which could cause some controversy, which would make for some good radio content. How about that? Perhaps Steve? it would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so much to get into on this episode. Huge weekend in ATL sports. Uh, dogs cruise. We're not going to spend much time on that, but we will as the playoffs and the championship potential repeat gets closer. Yeah, we've got to spend all uh, all 30 minutes on Ole Miss moving up to number seven in the country. How about that? Yeah, but you know what they didn't do? They didn't get the hook, Steve. <laughs> I, I said 15 at, was too much. I had them at 14. I got I got them at 14 and a half, Steve. Oh, no. Our Dukes and Bell picks, and that <laughs> prevented me from going two and one and holding on to first place. I'm now behind Mike Bell for half a game because of your stinking Ole Miss team not being <laughs> able to score. they can't tackle. Yeah, because they, they, they couldn't score one more freaking point. All right. <sighs> Getting to the matter at hand here. Brave season is unfortunately over, but the Falcons had their best win in I don't even know when. I mean, it's been it's been a long it's been a long time. I know there's been some good wins along the way, but this one particularly felt like a statement building victory for Arthur Smith in terms of what he's trying to accomplish here as a head coach. So the question is, Steve, in sports radio, how do you handle it? You had first crack at it this morning with the steakhouse. So take us behind the curtain here, lift it up a little bit for us as we do here on off air. Um, How did you guys balance the highs of the Falcons victory with the low of the Braves being ousted and not repeating as world series champs? So, so yeah, since the Braves got eliminated on Saturday, obviously a day in between, and that is an NFL Sunday. And as far as the Braves woes go, that is the best thing that could have happened to, you know, radio, to fans, to everyone, I think, because it, it allowed something good to be sandwiched in between those two things. And obviously the Braves getting eliminated is the bigger story, but Leading into the show, Steak and Sandra, I think, wanted to start 
with a positive. And it, right. when you want, when you can start with a positive, you do it, I think is, is the mentality and being able to say the Falcons got a huge win. The franchise looks like it's moving in the right direction. The division's awful. You still have a chance to compete for the NFC South title. Then back that up with, well, the Braves lost. You at least, you, you counterbalance it to the point where I think fans come away with a good feeling overall from the weekend because the NFL is the NFL. And that Sunday win kind of propels you into the week rather than coming in off the back of a Braves elimination loss in a game where, or I should say a series where they barely looked competitive. Yeah, especially the last two games. A um, couple things. One, the Braves title is not going anywhere anytime soon. When you don't win from 95 to 21, you know, there's there's some margin for error now built up. Um, you know, was it a disappointing season? I don't know. Maybe that's what will be broken down throughout the week as you get further and further removed from the Falcons win mm -hmm. and you can dissect the Braves. Um, you know, what do they do going forward? Was the season a disappointment? What do they do with Dansby? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's a good um, point. There are so many layers to the Braves season ending right. that to try to burn through all of them today would have been pointless. No need. Um, and the Falcons, you know, hey, are they winning a Super Bowl this year? No, but, you know, they're still looking for it. I mean, the Braves just won last year. Dogs won last year. Um, you know, the Hawks and the Falcons are still, you know, in the midst of either never winning a title or not having won a title and you know it was a different league the last time they won a title or something crazy <laughs> That's like that. never a great sign yeah so so that it's still more relevant for them in terms of title chasing whereas the Braves and the dogs are so so closely removed from theirs that you know okay you didn't accomplish the ultimate goal this year but you locked up so many of your young core players you don't feel like this is going to be like the Marlins in 97 where they win a title, break it all down, win a title again in 2003, and then go on a 20-year drought. Um, you don't feel like that's what's going to happen with this Braves team. So uh, the Falcons definitely take all the good vibes this morning. And, um, man, it's it's so interesting, right, because – you, you, you can be high up on the moon, as I'm sure you guys were on the steakhouse today, but also you got to keep it 100 with everyone. And this is this is great, but it needs to be looked at. What it is, is an important building block towards the ultimate goal. You know, not it's not there yet, but this is an important step to getting there. And that's what needs to be reflected on the air. Um I mean, don't get me wrong. Enjoy the hell out of it, but also don't don't be don't do the fan base a disservice by saying also that it's something that it's not, and that's a tricky line to to walk sometimes. Sure, and yeah, saying because you beat the 49ers with plenty of starters out too, I, I think that's something that does deserve to be mentioned. And right, you know, I, I don't think that win all of a sudden says you're winning the Super Bowl or you're going to be a contender for the next 10 years or anything. But again, what it did on a day where the Bucks lost, you follow up a performance where you maybe could have beaten Tampa. It sets up 
what should be a hell of a next, you know, 10 to 11 games here Saints in the regular lost. season. Panthers right. getting players thrown out of games. I mean, I, I think you could argue right now that the Falcons are the most stable team in the division right now. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair. And when you look at what they have coming up, and this is something that we've done the last couple of days, even going into the 49er game, is looking at the Falcons' schedule. Over the next few weeks, the Bengals and the, the Chargers will be tough. But in the next stretch of games, you play the Panthers twice. Yep. You play the Bears the Steelers, the Commanders. These are teams that the Falcons can absolutely beat. And if they play like they did yesterday, you know, they should go four and two or whatever in that stretch and still be right in the thick of a playoff chase, which, you know, for this team entering this season, that's, you know, that's already way surpassing expectations. Yeah, I got asked. I hosted a show the last Saturday uh, from noon to three, and one of the staples that I like to do during Falcon season is five Falcons true or false questions. So whether it's you or Dom or Garrett or whoever's producing the show, I like to have you guys toss at me five Falcons true or false questions that can be about either the game or the rest of the season, whatever. I leave it up to you guys. And one of the questions that Dom asked me was, will the Falcons be over 500 at any point for the rest of the season? And I thought it was a great question. And I said, yes, I think they will be. Um, and I pointed to that same stretch of games that you just mentioned as the litmus test for if this team is going to be able to get back over the, the hump and be over 500. And I think it could be as soon as maybe two or three weeks from now. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely achievable. And you know, this is what, I guess the second week in a row. I think you had another viral tweet uh, yesterday as I'm in for oh yeah Falcons digital stuff here. I'm monitoring our Twitter account and, you know, seeing the things we retweet and all that kind of stuff. And that way we get notifications and all that. So I saw your tweet just kept getting more and more likes, favorites, whatever they call them nowadays. And it, it was, the, I bring that up to say the content of it, is what everyone should be excited about. They right. should be excited about the wins as well. But the fact that Arthur Smith ha has this team establishing an identity and just playing really solid football at this point is is really exciting. Another tweet that went viral real quick as we wrap up our first segment here is um, Mike Bell tweeted that if Kyle Pitts scores a touchdown, he's going to buy his whole section shots. And there was only one other Falcon fan in his entire <laughs> section. The rest of his entire section were 49ers fans. So he posted another tweet and he was like, that was the least expensive round of shots I've ever bought in my entire life. And it's just him and one other dude in a Falcons jersey <laughs> taking a shot together. Um, so it was, it was just a lot. Yesterday is one of those days where, it just becomes a lot of fun um, for everyone involved. Did like you said, digitally or on the air or tweeting. Um, it really is. It really is a blast when your team shows up like that. I believe Steve, we have something back this week. Hell yeah. <laughs> I back still like wanna, it never left. I still want to sing transition, but I want to appreciate the, uh, the technology that we have back while it's back. Yeah, do you know how much money we paid for that transition sounder? We got to use it. Exactly. <laughs> um, our technological issues. Well, it wasn't really an issue. It was more like, it was more, it was more like a um, uh, informational issue than it was an actual like failure of a piece. Right. Of it was a, a lapse. We'll call it. Yeah. A lapse in, 
judgment in all things sound, we'll call it. <laughs> that, that that may be way too harsh. Um, okay, so this is also something that I mentioned on the air on Saturday. And uh, I don't know if you heard the story or not. I'll assume you didn't. Um, if it was and- on Saturday, I was a little... Uh- I was wrapped up Saturday. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. All right, no so offense. perfect. So this will be no perfect. I'd rather you. I'd rather this be fresh for you. Um, okay, so it's about the, my show starts at noon. So I leave my apartment at about eleven. I have a twenty-minute walk in front of me. It's a straight mile walk down Peachtree Street to get to the station from where I live. About a quarter of the way into the walk, I start noticing people dressed up. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I notice as I keep getting closer, there's a theme. Okay, so it's people in big top hats, in card costumes, in blue dresses, um, all sorts of crazy white face paint. And I'm like, what Uh the heck is going on? (laughs) Then I hit the Federal Reserve Building. And the park that's next to it. And it is a mass of people, hundreds in the park, all dressed up in the exact same way. And I'm like, am I high right now? (laughs) Like, did I, was somebody smoking something that I walked past? Did did somebody slip something in my iced coffee? Like, what is, (laughs) what's going on? So I get on the air and I'm telling the story about all this crazy stuff that I see. I'm like, if you know what's going on right now, text text the show and let me know because I am so confused and a little frightened. Um, so we got a bunch of responses on our text line, and it turns out there was an Alice in Wonderland convention in Midtown this weekend. God. If you uh, weren't high, then I guarantee there was a lot of people yeah, in that crowd. Uh, that well, were. I still don't know if I was or I wasn't, but uh, <laughs> we made it through the show in one piece. So apparently it was like a thing where you pay money for a ticket. I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks. And there was an Alice in Wonderland experience um, Mm. for the entire day on Saturday. So it made me think um, with all these things going on, Dragon Con and Comic Con and all this stuff, have cons and cosplay and comic books and you know, fairy tale and anime, have they gone from nerdy to cool? It's a good question. I I think it has. I think there's a, as long as it's not like, if you're the person that is just crazy into it, that that's like it, I think they may still look down on the fringe people like me or like you that, you know, you love a lot of things in it, but you're not, solely invested in that if that makes sense right I, but i think it's become mainstream and cool to the point where nobody looks at an event like that and you know kind of raises their eyebrows or rolls their eyes and says oh like what is this whereas 10 15 years ago maybe that was the case but i think now it's so much more i guess inclusive to the fringe people and those that are that are fully invested yeah i mean it used to be the type of thing where like that would be, you'd be almost, if you went to those things, that wouldn't be something you'd talk about on a date. Right Now I feel like your chances of meeting someone who also goes to those things are higher than they've ever been. And and it's no big deal. Um, You know, if you say you love 
Marvel and you want to dress up as Thor for Halloween, that's uh, not a big deal as opposed to, like you said, 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. That was some stuff that was uh, in the shadows a little bit more, so to speak, and it's not something you would be confident bringing up at a party. Um, now it's become a mainstream focal point of conversation between uh, people in, in just in everyday life. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about TV shows and movies and, you know, obviously everything else on Dukes and Bell and so much of that has become, uh, oh, did you see the latest episode of Game of Thrones? Or, oh, did you see the latest episode of uh, She-Hulk? Where it's like before that was like, oh, you don't play sports, you're not cool. Like, right. That's basically how it used to be. And now the two things are so much more integrated than they ever were before. Um, and I, th I think Marvel is to to thank, really, for a lot of that. I, sure. I think superhero movies were always a thing, and they were you know big before that. You had the Dark Knight, you had the Spider-Man trilogy, things like that. But until Marvel came around and really popularized that whole genre to the masses... I don't think it would have reached this level before all that. And then Game of Thrones from the fantasy TV side of it. Now that's kind of gotten a, a boost with the House of the Dragon, which I can't. You are watching it. I've seen I, the first episode. Up, right? Seen the first episode. Okay. Um, Season finale next week. So. <sighs> it was a little tough, Steve. I'm not going to lie. It might be because I'm not a Game of Thrones person. Oh, okay. So all right. That makes sense. I, yeah. Um, I know enough, like, you know, I don't, I don't know all the ins and the outs with game of Thrones. I had a girlfriend who was obsessed like three or four years ago, going back now. And I watched, I watched the, I remember the last episode I watched cause it was right before we broke up. Uh, <laughs> it was the episode where, uh, the dragons finally come and, and they're on the, they're on the boat with the dragons circling around. Uh. That was the last episode. I think it was like either the end of season three or the beginning of season four. So I watched like enough of it to mm -hmm. know what's going on, but I never picked it back up and finished it. Um, it makes sense. It'd be a sore, sore subject, I guess. No, I mean, she wasn't. It's okay. She wasn't the one. <laughs> okay. Trust me. All right. Um, I was trying but, to give you an out for not returning. No, no, no. But, but, and doing the whole show. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but but House of Dragons, at least the first episode, I, I don't know if it picks up or not. I'm not going to give up on it entirely. But I started watching The Patient and Dahmer. And they mm. both suck. The patient in. looks really good. So does Dahmer. But as yeah. we talk about the serial killer stuff, I'm not quite as as into it. But the, the patient with Steve Carell, I think, looks really good. Awesome. So good. Um, and it's a weekly, too. They, mm. It didn't all come out at once. They drop, they drop them every, I think it's Monday or Tuesday. So that's that sucked a, me in, and then I got away from it. Um, that's it something just, that I think we, you know, maybe not today, but in a future episode, I'll set this up to talk about how people consume that kind of stuff. Cause it's the same thing with the house of the dragon where it's every Sunday. And I'm, I right. look forward to it where I haven't done that with TV shows recently because it's all at once. But. It's binge. Yeah. You just, you just binge it. Um, yep. But yeah, it was just a little slow for me, but, but regardless, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is for what we're talking about right now, like 
it's it's cool to dress up like if you spend 10 hours on a costume and you're all decked out and you look the part and you act the part and you go into a con and like you're walking around the street like people are going to be like yo you, you look awesome like that looks great where before it would have been like you nerd like what are you what are you doing like you you you're sitting in your mom's basement with cheeto dust on your fingers playing dungeons and dragons and <laughs> you know, not going out to parties and getting drunk and, you know, talking to men and women and, you know, trying to get dates and stuff like that. So I just think, I just think to wrap it up, there's, there's been a, a cool culture shift where, you know, it's not just, you know, the, the athletes and the jocks and sports that are the cool things to talk about at the water cooler. It's now become, you know, the entertainment and superhero and fantasy world has really opened up. And I think that that's, I think that that's pretty cool because I'm somebody that I know you are too enjoys both. Yeah, absolutely. And and seeing that kind of cross, not cross contamination, whatever the term is that, that I'm looking for there, cross section, there it is, uh, of people that do enjoy both. That's something that's been brought to the forefront where, yeah, we wouldn't have seen that, uh, you know, just 10 years ago. You ready? I am ready. Let's do it. All right. I saw your finger on the trigger. So, so I, I didn't want to go off, too early. Still, still simpat, still simpatico. The finger on the trigger is there. So the final verdict is cons are cool. Yes. Um, time for the HOFA Hall of Fame audio of the week. We'll break it down real quick for any first-time listeners. Every single episode, Steve and I pick a clip from the world of sports or beyond that we feel is noteworthy to play. We play it for you guys, and then we react. And I think there's no other. There's no other call this week that's more appropriate, especially here in Atlanta with this win, than Kyle Pitts scoring his first touchdown on American soil. Bird comes in the orbit from left to right. Mariota looks. Now going to loop. And Kyle Pitts caught it. Touchdown. On U.S. soil, number eight has a touchdown. Of course, courtesy of our man, Wes Durham, and the Atlanta Falcons radio network heard right here on odyssey and 92 nine the game steve it finally happened um the floodgates were open there were guys making viral videos ripping their shirts off to reveal kyle pitch jerseys underneath um, yeah speaking of superheroes he went full superman with the reveal yeah. there uh this has been a theme all season obviously with uh kyle not performing up to what the fan standard has been even though coaches and teammates have said that He's doing everything they've asked him to do. He missed a week with a little hammy. He was back. He looked healthy. He caught the touchdown. Monkey off the back. Um, do you think that's enough for the narrative to go away? Or if he's two catches for 12 yards and no touchdowns next week, are we right back where we started? I think it, I think it is. I, I don't think that one touchdown is going to su- like all of a sudden silence that entire conversation. When a guy's drafted as high as he was at the tight end position, it's it's a premium position, I'll call it. It's not necessarily a cornerstone. You know, it's not a left tackle. It's not a quarterback. It's not a defensive end. So when you draft somebody that high, they need to equal that production level. And we've seen it from a yard standpoint. We saw it in his rookie season going over 1,000 yards. But I think this needs to be a first of many for, you know, there needs to be a season where he has – you know, eight to 10 touchdowns for that narrative to truly go away. If this is more of a blip than a trend, then you'll see that conversation return fairly quickly. 
But I mean, he's it's also a product of the offense at this point. Marcus Mariota had 13 completions yesterday. Right. Uh, what two of those went to your three of those went to Kyle Pitts. So it's still a fair share of the completions that are out there to be had. But uh, but I, I do think he needs to find the end zone more. And but yesterday was a, a really great sign of that moving in the right direction. Yeah, you mentioned the the Falcons offense and the way that it's playing right now. It's interesting because it's just not, like you said, that's just not what they're doing. What they're doing is they're running the ball. Marcus Mariota is then doing play action um, or he's keeping it himself. And it's just not favoring long passes to Kyle Pitts or favoring where he's lined up in in the red zone um, to get him the ball. It's funny. It's still funny, though, that this team against Seattle, first play of the game all week long, uh, what did they do? Bomb to Kyle Pitts. <laughs> just just missed his fingertips. But we, we haven't seen a throw like that since no, that first play. I don't think to anybody. Right. Never mind. Just never mind Kyle Pitts. I don't. That's that's just not the way that the Falcons offense is is operating right now. And I mean, hey, as long as the results are there. I personally don't give a crap, but I know there's a lot of Falcons fans that were frustrated and a lot of fantasy owners that were frustrated as well. Um, We've learned Arthur Smith does not care about your fantasy team. No. He he has said as much, and I think he's continued to show that. He did not. uh, Yeah, I mean, but that's fine, though. Like, as long as the results are there. I mean, as long as the results are there, you can't really argue it. If the results – if they were – Oh, and six or one and five and look non-competitive and all right, then, then you have a case to be made, but with the way that things are going right now, just enjoy the ride for what it is and don't nitpick about one specific player. Not, I mean, none of the Falcons receivers have compiled any sort of consistent stats week in and week out. The only position on the field that's been consistent is the running backs. I mean, we're averaging 150, I think over 150 yards on the ground the last three weeks. Yep. So if you're not Caleb Huntley, Tyler Algier, or Avery Williams and CP when he gets back, you can't expect to get many, if any, big-time plays or whatever the PFF stat is, big-time throws or you know what, what, however they calculate it because that's just not the way the Falcons' offense is going to operate. Um I thought Marcus Mariota played his best game of the season last or yesterday, and it didn't involve much of Kyle. P- I mean, what was his total yardage? It was like 30 yards or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. He had the touchdown, but he didn't have a big game in terms of receptions or statistics. So you got your pound of flesh this week, you Kyle Pitts sycophants. But <laughs> I wouldn't say that um, I'd expect or it's fair to expect that to be something that happens on a week in week out basis for now. Right. For now. Yep. I, I think that's a good way to phrase it. And look, Marcus Mariota again, played his best. And, and I said it in, in an article I posted after the game yesterday on hey, 99game.com. Oh, I missed plug. the media nugget. Bucket, but <laughs> I, uh, I said it was his best, but more importantly, his most efficient game of the season. He didn't force anything that wasn't there. He Obviously, he held on to the football, which has been an issue in a few games this season. So I think that was really nice to see. But he's not going to be the quarterback for the Falcons for an extended period of time, I don't think. I think the plan is still a year or two at the most. 
So when Kyle Pitts is entering his prime, I think there will be a, a bigger commitment to the passing game, you know, whenever that time comes and whoever's throwing the ball where that volume will start to match the level that you would expect. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be the type of thing where he's eventually going to become the George Kittle of the Falcons. It's just, it needs to be able to fit the scheme and what they're doing on the field. And right now trying to force the ball to any one receiver is not what's become the winning formula for the Falcons. It's going to be run the ball, chew up the clock. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, by the way, a little side nugget. Um, we don't have, we don't have a side nugget. Yeah. We have- <laughs> um, the Falcons play like the fastest games in the NFL. Yep. If you're, if you're watching, like, so when I, when I have the Falcons game on, I have my laptop open with all the other box scores going on at the same time. And what's not, at least I use ESPN, which is nice because they automatically update the scores and they automatically update the time left in the game as it goes. The Falcons will have like two minutes left in the third quarter and other teams are like two minutes back into action after halftime. Yeah, um, it, it's quick. So it's something it's something to like note pay attention to that over the next few weeks if you haven't already because that's what the Falcons do. They run the ball and they drain the clock. So part of the reason why they won the game yesterday is the 49ers ran out of time. And then what happens when you run out of time? You start pressing and Jimmy G starts throwing the ball way too much and he starts throwing interceptions and making dumb passes and then you win the game. And what does that not equal? Kyle Pitts getting 12 targets for 125 yards and, ten, and two touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Those games, they're moving. I mean, again, we're here at the studio during the games and Dylan and Oren are running the network and all that from this room and, and the main room in there. So we kind of communicate throughout the game. And we all said the same thing yesterday. It was like, damn, this game is flying by. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm putting together my post game article and doing things in game. And I'm home, you know, to watch the the Chiefs Bills, you know, for the thick of that game because the Falcons game was over so quickly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I started noticing a couple of weeks ago once they really started to establish their identity with with running the football. So, all right. Good for Kyle Pitts. Good for you, Kyle Pitts, fantasy owners. Like I said earlier, you got your pound of flesh. He scored the touchdown in U.S. soil at home. Monkey off the back. West got to make the call. But the bottom line here, and the point is, Falcons fans, let the offense be what the offense is going to be. Don't worry about Drake London's numbers. Do I have on my fantasy team? He's really <laughs> falling off. Um, don't worry about Kyle Pitts' numbers. Don't worry, don't worry about anyone's stats. If you see the running backs going 12 carries for 47 yards and no scores, that's when you get worried. Um, I think that'll just about do it, Steve. How about that? I think so. Speaking about flying by, another episode in the books. This is the best time of the year. There's so many topics to talk about from the world of sports and beyond. Uh, my cautionary tale to everyone out there, just be careful when you're walking down the street or you might find yourself – down a rabbit hole high on something and <laughs> witnessing an Alice in Wonderland convention unfold in front of your eyes down um, the rabbit hole. Isn't that, that's the term from Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? Ah, see, 
Uh-huh. See what see what's going on here, Steve. <laughs> That's probably this. one that I could have let go that everybody else would have picked up on except me, uh-huh. but I had to make sure. Smart, smart. They don't get you know as as my Yankees broadcaster Michael K likes to say from back home, they don't give these jobs to chimps. <laughs> and with that, I will bid my fellow 92.9 The Game producer, Stephen Gagliano, adieu. We will catch you guys in just a few short days. This has been the Off Air Podcast. Follow me at C. Thomas Radio, Steve at Peeve with a P, Gagliano. We'll catch you next time.